In Acts chapter 19, as you're turning there, we see how Paul had been to Corinth and how he had left and he had gone to Ephesus, then he had gone to Jerusalem and up through the upper coasts of Phrygia and Galatia. He's establishing churches. He promised. He made a promise. Let's read this here. Let's see what that promise was that he made and see where he is now. In Acts chapter 19, verse 1 through 7, we read, And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. He said unto them, Have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto what then were ye baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied, and all the men were about twelve. We see seven verses here. It's been taking us close to about two years here to get through Acts up to this point. We've been going through this verse by verse, and I think that's the right way to study the Bible because it's, it would be very easy to just hop around on different topics and make it easy. But you take verse by verse, you're going to run into certain passages like this, and you're learning differentiations between really what's going on with those that are actually working Um, understanding what salvation is, and they haven't come to the full knowledge of really how the Holy Spirit applies to their life. And I believe as Christians, it's extremely vital for us to understand the works of the Holy Spirit through our Christian lives. And this is where we see when James writes, faith without works is dead, the Holy Spirit works through us through works after we're converted. Our works do not bring us conversion. There are three main applications we're going to look at this morning. I mean, you get to, you get to study in the Holy Spirit, and this is a, a marvelous, fascinating, supernatural approach to Christianity. And when Pastor Evans was here a couple weeks ago, he said he had had a conversation or something. He said, Christianity, to the, to the, to the normal man, most men, Christianity is not natural. And we can see that, how people really find Christianity, and they have all kind of bad things to say about it. Christianity is not natural, it's supernatural, and it really is. There's a cosmic war going on out there that we don't see, and it's our Lord Jesus Christ always fighting for us, and the Holy Spirit is there. We see here that the Holy Ghost is given by the laying on the hands of Paul, And here, we're going to get into that in a minute, but let's go back and do a little bit of review, and I think this is very important. What is Paul's objective? Right now, we see he makes makes the promise. What is the promise? Where is he going back to? Does Does anybody catch that? Where did he promise from our study the last time here? Where was he going? Yes, thank you, Lisey. Ephesus. He had promised that he would meet Aquila and Priscilla back. Remember, Apollos was there, and Aquila and Priscilla were teaching Apollos. Apollos was basically their understudy. He's now in Corinth. Paul is gone, and he's left the work in Ephesus to go to Jerusalem. And we believe there, as we study, that perhaps that was a Jerusalem council meeting. 
He was there to encourage the church there and there to have perhaps what we could think of as, a, as maybe a presbytery meeting of the day to go there and to encourage each other. He wound up in Phrygia and Galatia and these, all these regions. You can see that if you have your maps in the back. You can watch and trace basically his, the, the locations he went to. But then he promises to come back to Ephesus. What was his objective? And what are we to learn from the difference between the way Paul was encouraging the church? How was he encouraging the church? And what was he teaching the leaders and the workers in the other churches? How was he teaching them to come together? And I want to see that first because this is what he would have been encouraging Priscilla and Aquila and Apollos Crispus, we had learned about Crispus and justice. We saw Sosthenes, and then we see we saw back of the church of Berea. We've seen him come through Thessalonica with Silas. We've seen Silas, and we've seen also um, many others that Paul was with, and of course, who is his chief understudy right now, ultimately. Does anybody remember that he was the one that he had circumcised to prepare him to go into the Jewish synagogues? Timothy. And look at, look at what's happening here. We see here that Paul had left Corinth. His first major stop in Ephesus was then to Jerusalem and then Syria, ultimately. But we have not forgotten, neither has he, he that made a solemn promise that he would revisit Ephesus and go back to his friends and spend time with their encouraging them, laboring in the doctrine of Jesus Christ. And now we see him going back to Ephesus. He encounters 12 disciples. Remember, what did Christ tell him back in chapter 18? The Lord revisited Paul in verses 9 and 10. He said, Be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace. He says, For I am with thee, and no man shall settle thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. And he says, I have much people. Now look, 12 disciples come up. But they said, We understand the teaching of John, but we don't understand about this teaching of the Holy Spirit. And you know, I love how they're asking that. They're basically not saying, we don't believe in this teaching of the Holy Spirit because it's a bunch of lies. They're not saying that. You might get a lot of that today with people. But they're saying, wait a minute, we want to learn about this. They were hungering for knowledge. And that's a big question this morning. Are we hungering for the knowledge of Jesus Christ? Are we hungering for that work through the Holy Spirit to show us where we are supposed to be in our lives. Do we realize the gifts that the Lord's given us? Or is Christianity just Sunday morning for 40 minutes? Or is it maybe a couple minutes during the week when we read a couple verses and then you know, say to ourselves, well, that's all I need to do. No, here we see that they're hungering for this knowledge. I'd like to go to Romans chapter 12 and read verses 4 to 8. And I believe this is very important. I, I love to always go back to this. And this is a real central theme I believe, to what the objective of these missionary journeys of Paul was. And it's important because I believe at least 60% of the New Testament is written by Paul. So in Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 8, could I ask maybe, uh, could I ask maybe, um, Greg, could you read Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 8? Romans 12, verses 4 through 8, we see how Paul speaks about Unity in the members of the body of Christ.
Perfect. Thanks, Greg. And I love that verse 9, let love be without dissimulation, abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. What, what do you love about this? Paul the Apostle, he equates the church, the members of the church, as parts of the body. This is one of the reasons, this might sound crazy, but this is one of the reasons I don't believe that there are any vestigial organs in our body. Anything that's there that doesn't really need to be there. <laughs> You know, I've heard that before where there are certain organs in your body, you don't need them, and so the doctors take them out to make you feel better and stuff. No. Every inch of our body, the Lord created it for a specific purpose. And that's exactly what Paul's saying about the members of the body of Christ. Some of us are the arms. Some of us are the legs. Some of us are maybe some of the five senses. We all have different parts in building and gardening the gospel and the church of Jesus Christ. But the question is, who is the command center? Who is the head of the church? Amen. Didn't you love that? He, and Paul says, we're all the arms, we're all the legs, we're all the workers. He says, Christ is the head of the church. And we see how Paul is planting churches in these regions of Galatia and Phrygia, Ephesus, Corinth. And now he is back in Ephesus. Paul gives the most supreme and wonderful encouragement that we're all members of the body of Christ. We're working towards the same goal. You see in the church where sometimes the kids have jobs and they take out the trash and they help clean up. We all have gifts. Some people play the piano, some teach, some preach. And it's a blessing that we see even in this church, the work done here in the kitchen, the work done to clean the place, to keep the grass cut, to keep the the messages going. Other hands that prepare communion and wash all of the pans and the stuff here. They do. We're all doing something. And there's some churches, they have outreaches where they have vans and buses and they go out and they haul people around and do things. But there's always something going on. Paul, and we see in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11, once we become Christians, through Christ's saving grace, works follow. Who could, could someone look up 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11? We'll go, go over this for a couple seconds while you, you're looking that up. Can someone read that? And we see if we're called to teach, we're to teach. If we're called to preach, we are to preach. We all have gifts. None of us can say, well, there's nothing I can do because I don't have the gifts. I have no gifts. Well, that's not what Paul and Peter are saying. They're saying we all have them. Do we recognize them and do we use them? Anyone have that? 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. Thank you. Thank you, Jacob. And look at that, Pastor. Amen. Uh, 
Right, it goes back to the verses we were reading several weeks ago. Line upon line, precept upon precept, a little here, a little, little, a little here, a little there. And sometimes it's not, you know, it's, and it, you know, when, when not, when, but put it this way, when everybody's not pitching up, then the work falls on a couple people and they have to bear a lot more burdens than others. And that can be tough. And so it's easy if we can spread it out, we can do a little bit. Everybody does a little bit, it makes it much easier. Paul teaches where the work comes from, and he teaches these new disciples that as members of the body of Christ, first the work there is Paul going, Paul going to them, and he's teaching them about the Holy Spirit as an extension of the baptism of John. And so he's showing them how to be workers and members of the body of Christ. And we see this faithful ministry, and we see in these verses, we just read Romans, our minds are the avenues to our hearts. We are members of the body of Christ. And isn't it a most wonderful blessing that as members of the body of Christ, he is the head, the mind, and the brain power. Can someone look up, please, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 to 22. Ephesians 1, 19 and 22. And let me know when you're ready here. Well, we have the arms, we have the legs, we see Christ as the center of the church, and we see how Paul He's taking these disciples and he's showing them where the Holy Spirit comes from, why the Holy Spirit is there, and how to use those gifts. Anyone? Ephesians 1, verses 19 to 22. There you have it. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Perfect. Thank you, Teresa. Sorry to interrupt there. He has been put over the head of all things. Look at that. Here we see Paul says Christ is the head of the church. He comes back and he writes this. Who's he writing it to? Where did we just read from? Ephesians. This is what he's saying in Ephesus. He's telling the people, he's saying... You have a wonderful church here. You have a wonderful ministry. He's not telling them, please put all this aside and do everything you can to have seeker services and get all those chairs filled. He's not telling them, have the bread and the circuses and the gimmicks and we got to build a great big business here where tens of thousands of dollars and put a big octagon in there with guitars. He's saying, we need to follow Jesus Christ. That was his first objective in every church that he went to. I mean, that means a lot to me because, thank the Lord, that is what I learned. That is what I was taught growing up. That's what I've taught in church. Christ is the, he's the head of the church. He's the first objective. And I think that's extremely important that, uh, how Paul's doing that here. We see here that Paul, we have arms and legs, but Christ and, and the church were members of the body and Christ is the head of the church. And then he says, let love be without dissimulation. We're to abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love. And we have different gifts. We need to use them. Are we struggling in our faith? Are we having problems? Well, one of the greatest things to get through depression and hard times is hard work. And that's a good thing to do. That's a real good thing to do.
We've all been there. You know, we think about how the Pharisees, who was so glad, he, he said, he was so glad, I'm not like this publican. And we see where Christ teaches us how to be kindly, affectionate, and humble. Luke chapter 18, 11, we see the Pharisees stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I'm not as this other man, that this other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. And then how did the publican react? In Luke chapter 18, verse 13, he reacted and said, it says, And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes into heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me as a sinner. That's the heart of a Christian. That is the essence of the heart of a Christian right there. Well, you, I hear this question. I don't know if you all hear this question. You listen to Christian radio, and you might, you might watch... You might watch uh, like question and answer sessions or certain like messages or some of these things on TV. And people are always asking, how do I know I'm a Christian? How do I know I'm a Christian? Well, we'll read the statement of the publican. Look at that. He says, God be merciful to me. Basically, in the psalm we sing, God be merciful to me, on thy grace I rest my plea. Luke 18, 13, we see, And the publican standing afar off would not lift so much as his eyes into heaven, but smote upon his breast. And then we go to Luke 18, 14, I tell you, Christ said, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Pastor. Amen. Excellent point. That brings it all together. Well, back to Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 7 here. It's interesting enough, Apollos has left Ephesus and he departed from Aquila and Priscilla. What's interesting about this, if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 12, it said, Now this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. This presents a little bit of a problem. It would appear that there were factions that arose in Corinth where it would seem that there were divisions even amongst Paulus, Apollos and Paul, and perhaps Apollos was part of the division. What's fascinating is how Paul pays attention to these kind of things. Talking about members of the body of Christ, when this verse came up in 1 Corinthians, all, there, was, there was talk around Corinth. And people were saying, well, Paul is Paul. You know, Apollos is Apollos. I want to follow this guy. I want to follow that guy. And what Paul was saying, stop looking at me. He goes, did I die for you? Did I, am I the object of baptism for you? He's, Paul is saying, I'm, I'm just like the public, and I'm the least of all the apostles and the greatest sinner. Lisey. Amen. Right. 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 
That's a great point because it's easy to try to rise up in authority and act like we're something we're not. Pastor. Or a statue, right? That's a good point, Pastor Olson. That's, we're going to have to stop the production of that statue we were having made for Pastor Olson. Now we're going to have to, we'll have to call the marble company. After. But what happens is that's a good point because what happens, you can see it in the form of church government. This is a good time to bring this up because you never hear about it. A lot of churches don't want to talk about their form of government because there's always some faction in the church that takes on all the power and cannot be bucked. They have no accountability. They're the last and final word. That's not what Paul says. Paul says we're all in this together and we all have accountability. And he says this, and it's a great point Pastor brings up because don't expect to come in and do things for Christ and get some kind of a bozo button and a wood nickel from everybody. Most of it's very thankless work, but you're doing it for Christ. And you know that he sees it. You know that he loves it. And this is what Paul is encouraging. This is what he's teaching these disciples. These 12 disciples, he's saying, you go in there, just like Christ said, it's going to be tough. They will hate you. They will revile you. They will cast you out. They will cut you off and they will try to kill you. But you remember something. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And, he, and that's what he says. 1 Corinthians 13, 2, we continue to read the writings of Paul. This all comes together. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, and I have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemingly, seeketh not her own, and is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. And with all of this, Christ is the head of the church. It is to be done. As we just read, let love be without dissimulation. What does dissimulation mean? Anybody? Dissimulation? Wavering. Wavering. Amen. And hypocrisy. It do, it's not supposed to be fake and phony. Abhor that which is evil. Where to hate? What, I love that. Abhor that which is evil. This is why I love the King James. Because there are riveting words in the King James that really bring it all together. Some of the, you go to Job, Job chapter 1, verse 1. Some of the versions say that uh, something to the effect that Job did not like evil, that Job, he did. You know what the Bible in King James says? Job eschewed evil. That raises it to like a superlative degree. He hated it to the point where he would actually make sacrifices for each one of his children every day in case they had disobeyed, disobeyed God. Verse 5, Job chapter 1, verse 5. In case they had disobeyed the Lord. And we see here, this is all works together. We see the workings of Paul here and how important they were. He left Ephesus. And Paul, he comes back to Ephesus and he promised, he promised that he would come back and we see how, what is his first encounter? He looks and he says, 
to the people, these finding certain disciples, have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? What was their response? Look at that. Anybody? Yeah, we know that's all part of our Christianity. It's wonderful. We, we love the Holy Spirit. We know all about the Holy Spirit. What did they say? Look at verse 2 in Acts 19. Have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed, Paul asked. And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there even be any Holy Ghost. That's a problem. Because we as Christians, we know one thing. There's no greater gift in the universe and in all of mankind than the gift of the Holy Spirit in your heart. There is no greater gift. Not all the money in the world can even begin to compare to that. They said they understood the baptism of John. Now why? Why would it be that way? Why would it be they understood the baptism of John, but they don't understand the teaching of the Holy Ghost? Could anybody give some kind of an understanding of that? Lisey. Right. Right. You're on it. That's that's very good. Right. Right. And that you're right on. I think Lisa, did you have your hand up? And then I'm sorry. Then Gerald and then Pastor, go ahead. That's it, right. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand and the axe is laid at the root of the tree. It's important for us to understand this. We need to understand what the Holy Spirit's workings are. Brother Gerald. Amen. Right. Right. What it means is, and the key passage here, we didn't cover it in, in, in this chapter, and I, and I don't want to get ahead. Sure, go ahead. At the end of this little parenthesis, it says, this continued for two years, so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Gentiles. That's the purpose of our conversion. That's the purpose of Pentecost. Right. And that's our purpose, like the pastor said earlier, that Paul covers in Ephesians chapter 4, 
according to the way that you were given. Amen. And that's what we're to do. It's really intriguing because Paul wasn't there in Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost. Right. But then we almost see a smaller Pentecost happening here. Right. Through Paul, and that also validates his apostleship. Right. Paul was still on his way to getting ready to hold the cloaks of those that stoned Stephen. And here now Paul's coming back. That's a great point, Pastor. Right. And you got Right. Well, you take all the four comments we just got. I'm going to about to say something, and this probably will stop our Sunday school class because normally this can, something like this can get a lot of chatter. Gerald brought something up that's extremely important. Why did Paul have to differentiate the true workings of the Holy Spirit? Look at verse 7. I'm not getting ahead because we're not going to skip all these verses. We're going to go back the next couple of weeks and we're going to look at them because it's a lot of stuff here and it's wonderful. And all the men were about 12. No, I'm sorry. Go back, go back to verse 6. This is what Brother Gerald said. And they spake with tongues and prophesied. How did they speak? Look at the Pentecostal churches today. I've seen it. When I was a kid, I went to a couple of some of these, some of these sermons and I saw what their, what their idea of speaking in tongues was. It's frightening to see what they do. Pastor. Right. 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 They were not just sounds, they were a communication of God's word through known languages and the gift of tongues which they were able to speak those languages without ever having learned them. Right. And not only just in those languages, but in perfect dialect. With the perfect idioms, the perfect lingos, all of it was every it was totally the opposite of what happened at Babel. The Lord brought it back. And here we see the different languages that were going out. And this is what's happening here, Lisa. Right. 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 Amen. And you know, Pastor Olson said something, and I'll get to Greg here, something very uh, profound a few weeks ago. He said, the church is responsible for the people, and the people are responsible for the church. This is what Paul is teaching here. He's responsible. He knows that what he's teaching, the Lord is watching him, and it's very important to understand he does not have time to give them lies and teach them and bring them into some kind of a fog. They need to be warned of an impending doom coming. Greg, go ahead. I'm sorry. Right. Right. 
Well, you just cracked open another big one. Who is the vicar of the Roman Catholic Church? Don't say Holy Spirit, please. Who is the vicar of the Roman Catholic Church? Lisa. The Pope. So if the Pope is the vicar of the Roman Catholic Church, then who gets to interpret what the Holy Spirit is? Study the seven sacraments and the stages of life, and you'll find out what I'm talking about. Most wicked thing it's ever been. The seven sacraments are... That is a Latin phrase. I can't remember what it said. It's something operas, operetto, that it's the works of itself. Lisa. Yes. Right. 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 Oh, we're really running. We're running out of time here, and this is such a good conversation. But there's three. What Lisa said there, and it's so profound. Going back to what Pastor Olson said, and what Greg said, I talked to a gentleman who's from Greece several years ago. And he knows Greek inside and out. He grew up on it. And we started talking about the Holy Spirit. Out of nowhere, he brings up the word paraclete, parakletos. And he said, do you know what that word really means in Greece? Now, we think of it, the paraclete, as being the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the one that the Lord sends, and that's perfect. That's wonderful. He said in a more intimate level, what it means to the Greeks is the one that shoulder to shoulder walks next to you walks by you, grabs your arm, you're getting ready to fall into a hole. The Holy Spirit pulls you out and keeps you from falling into it. And I tell you what, you're better off falling into a hundred foot hole and dying as a Christian than falling into the hole that, he's, that, we're, that we're talking about here, and that is sin. And it's the Holy Spirit, and that brings up three very important there's so many. I'm almost, it's almost blasphemous to just scratch the surface, but I don't think we're blaspheming anything. I don't want to ever do that. There's so much to this, and we're going to spend a couple weeks at least on it. Three C's. The Holy Spirit that you can really wrap your arms around to remember the works of the Holy Spirit in your personal Christian life. First, before I say them, it's for your personal Christian life. This isn't something corporate where it's some big game and it's some big club. You have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and there's three C's. Number one, conviction. Number two, conversion. You'll never even guess the third one. Maybe you will. See, (laughs) I'm wrong. Consolation. What other religion offers that? I mean, we're not in it to try to look up on the internet, well, what's the best religion for me to get into now? What's the one that I... This is an automatic... What the Lord Jesus Christ sent from heaven when He went, goes up on the right hand of the Father, He sends conviction, that is to convict us of our sins. Why do you feel bad about your sins? Why? You know that there are many people out there now that could care less. Somewhere at some point they do care about it because the Lord said the law of God is etched on our hearts. But the conviction of sin, why is it when we do something wrong we immediately know it? Where does that come from? At some point in history, you had no thought about that because you weren't even born. Then all of a sudden, you got dropped into this world, and all of a sudden, 
you knew when mom was chasing you with something, you had done something wrong. Even as a child, you were convicted of it, right? If you had conviction, conversion, and then comfort. I'm getting a little bit ahead, but what Brother Gerald brought up is very important. I think Paul, thinking about where he is right now, in the center of one of the seven wonders of the world, the biggest temple to Diana, he now is trying to teach 12 disciples why not to think the Spirit's leading him to the temple of Diana. And they want to kill him because he is going to now, he is going to be threatening their livelihood. And he's trying to say, listen, there are powers, there are principalities of powers, there are spirits out there. Reformation Sunday is October, the thir- it's for October 31st. What's the big holiday that everybody worships now? Right? Halloween. They're worshiping ungodly demonic spirits. That's what our country's gone to. Instead of honoring the heritage of our nation, people, even adults, are out there dressing up like Casper the Friendly Ghost getting candy. That's what they think of it. And this is what Paul was trying to teach. What are you learning? Where are the spirits in your life? Because if they're not by Christ, you are in the middle of a pagan society and you have... You have principalities, powers. You know, I will say this. I heard a message the other day, and I think this is very profound. You may not personally see Satan himself ever in your life. He may not ever come to you personally and try to bring you down himself. Because of why? He is not omnipresent. He's not. Right now, he might be picking somebody way bigger. He's always looking for the bigger fish. Like he ran after Job. He knew to go after Job. He knew to go after Noah. But it only takes one of his little junior grade demons. That's all it takes to bring one of us down. And he has them out there. And so Paul is saying to beware of all of these horrible spirits that are out there. And he's showing them what the real Holy Spirit is about. John 1, 31 to 33 to 34 we read, And I knew him not. John, This is John the Baptist says, He's speaking about Jesus. And I knew him not but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore, I am coming baptizing with water. And this is what Lisi was talking about. This brings it together. And John bare record saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it, ab- and it abode upon him. And I knew him not, but he that sent, he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptized with the Holy Ghost. And John said, and I saw and bear record that this is of no doubt at all. He says, this is the Son of God. And what is he saying? How, how many things did Jesus do on this earth that he left for us, but he experienced them himself? His ministry was led by what? The Holy Spirit. John saw the Holy Spirit descending upon him as a dove. And the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, stood beside Jesus all the way through the cross. All the way into when Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea peeled him off of the cross with what was left of him and he was dead and put him into the tomb. And the Holy Spirit was there when all of a sudden the brain waves came back, the blood started flowing, And he stood up and walked right through the wall of that tomb. The Holy Spirit was there the whole time. Can't you use that and say to yourself, 
This is the first day of the rest of my life. I'm never going to stay out of the Bible. This is a wonderful gift. I want to learn about this. Go to Strong's Concordance and punch in consolation, comfort, Holy Spirit, and use that as your Bible study this week. And you will learn things supernatural that are for you that you never even begin to understand. I know I have this past week studying as an extension of this. Anyway, we're going to have to close there, but we're going to, we've seen conviction. We're going to look at that. Next week, we're going to look at conversion and then comfort. But I'll give you a little window into next week. This is my favorite passage to open up about conviction. And David says, after that great sin at the castle that he had, Psalm 51.9, Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. He begs the Lord, please don't take that gift away from me. Saw what happened to Samson when the Lord had withdrawn the Holy Spirit from him for a time. He lost everything. And that just gives you a, a window of how important this is. All right, let's, let's finish this morning. Uh, let, let me ask uh, uh, Dave Heater. Brother, brother, could you close us this morning? Thank you.